the, the, the games are over, but the game never stops. Never stops. This is College Football Overtime with Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. Welcome into College Football Overtime. Week 8 was wild. We got to react to all of this, Abe Gordon. My name is Garrett Chapman. His name is Abe Gordon. Uh, we are College Football Overtime. And, and honestly, the college football season, we are past the halfway mark. And we're getting into some of the biggest college football of the season. And Abe, I have to say, last week was wild. Um, we, we had a lot of the biggest teams play. And we knew that there were going to be some big teams. But we also had some big losses. We're going to get into that. I know we're going to discuss this UNC loss, the whole debacle against a not very good Virginia team that played pretty inspired football. We'll get into that. Uh, Texas escapes Houston. Oklahoma escapes UCF. What in the world was going on in Washington as Arizona State was giving the, the Huskies everything that they could handle? Duke falls by the wayside. Tennessee falls by the wayside. Just a ton of incredible football. And Abe, we're going to get all the way into it. What were your thoughts on such a crazy week? It was a week that it felt like, mm. obviously, someone was going to win and someone was going to lose. I'm not sure anybody impressed. And we'll go through the list of games. I got knocks on almost every single victor. It's mm. kind of odd to have that be my like initial immediate takeaway. Is like, I don't know if anyone stepped away from the pack uh, on a college football Saturday, but that's kind of that's where I'm left. So we'll, we'll get through it and we'll, we'll dive into the games and – and uh, but yeah, I just I wasn't impressed by anyone. Really, not a no single one. person stepped up and impressed you. No one. I think the best people who the people who uh, who were probably most fortunate are the people who were sitting at home, like the Georges of the world, or 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 maybe Michigan impressed. Yeah, big power over uh, a forty nine to nothing over the hated rival Michigan State. Uh, we, we're not going to get too deep into that one, but look in the midst of the all of the the outside noise that's that's affecting the Michigan football program they they looked pretty dialed in on Saturday against a relatively hapless Michigan State team but Abe I do want to start in the Big Ten because Ohio State and Penn State played a defensive slugfest of a football game one that you would not typically say is the, the the nature between these two teams they've had a couple of of outcomes like this but I don't think anything close to what we saw on Saturday. Curtis Jacobs had the had the the one fleeting moment for Penn State when uh, he strips the ball loose from from Kyle McCord and, and runs sixty yards the other way. But then it gets reversed, and it's just tons of craziness and wackiness, and it just feels like it never seems to go Penn State's way. But as far as Ohio State cons- is concerned, they have the ultimate trump card. I, I know we talk about Brock Bowers down here in Georgia, but. Marvin Harrison Jr., 11 catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown, or as you call him, 18. That's right, baby, That's 18. 50, 50% of Kyle McCord's passes went to number 18, and he showed why he's the biggest trump card in the sport. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen the game play out as you had, had referenced if, if that fumble and, and, and recovery and return for a touchdown had stood and Penn State's got a two-possession uh, lead on Ohio State. I would have liked to have seen – that game play out uh once it got called back it, the game did kind of settle to about where i thought it would uh be uh, obviously if you watch this game i, I think penn state probably the score i, I mean I, I don't know i thought ohio state was much better uh than penn yeah. state after they overturned that fumble after that penalty it looked like ohio state i know they had to settle for a couple field goals could have been touchdowns penn state scored late and you get an eight-point game. But the, it really felt like they were in control of the Buckeyes um, because of, as you mentioned, number 18. I mean, he was the difference maker. Look, neither quarterback was impressive. I'll get to Kyle McCord in just a second because he's going to be the one thing that keeps this team from winning a national championship. But the run games weren't there. Now, Ohio State's run game hadn't really been there for most of the season, so that's not a massive surprise. Penn State was the team that had to run the ball in this game, if they were going to win, they were not able to do so. You're talking about 49 total yards. Obviously you take the sack yardage into account there, but uh, Nick Singleton had 48. Katron Allen had 26. Uh, Obviously neither of them found the end zone. That was the big difference in the game for Penn state. Uh, You can't put that on Drew Aller's shoulders. He's not ready for this sort of game yet. Uh, And that was one of the concerns coming in is, 
And, and I'm not even talking about like Drew Aller with, do you ever throw the ball deep? But j- just being in that moment, being in that game, he is a freshman. Um, and, and so it, you, you did kind of wonder. Um, and he did not rise to the occasion. And I'll be honest. Yeah. And I was texting with you during the game, Garrett. Kyle McCord is a nightmare. Um, I know he goes 22 or 35. He, he c- comes close to 300 yards. He's there at 286 or so. A touchdown, no interceptions. But I, I, I've been saying it for however long I need to say it. This offense needs to be more explosive. And 20 points is quite simply not getting it done. And it was out there. I, I know you didn't have uh, Emeka Abuka, But you have Marvin Harrison, who's probably the best receiver in the country. You had Cade Stover, who's he's not Brock Bowers, but he ain't far off. He's pretty darn dominant in the Big Ten. There are weapons there, and Kyle McCord's just not getting it done. And so when I looked at this game, for me, Garrett, I sat here and watched and watched and watched. And the whole game long, I'm like, I don't know how I see either of these teams beating Michigan. And and, and it's maybe unfair to to view this game from that standpoint especially because Michigan has played who they have played. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of how I viewed this game, and it it played itself out. And that goes back to my opening point. I was not very impressed by anyone this weekend. And Ohio State, look, they got the big win at home. They were not impressive in this win. They showed me nothing that made me believe that they're going to beat Michigan, although there are some questions about Michigan who they face but I'll let you speak on to it more. I will say this, that Ohio State defense is for real. Yeah. No, the, the both defenses are very good. And and I, I don't I don't I don't necessarily completely agree with your, your sentiment that they didn't impress. Uh, they did what they needed to do to get a win, a hard fought win against a really good Penn State team. Definitely. A Penn State team that I think was probably just as good as this Ohio State team was. And and look, at the end of the day, whenever you get into a fist fight. You just do what you got to do to get through it, and you win. And if you win and come out on the other side, who cares? You know, like, it's it's not – this isn't a team that has to win pretty. Ohio State doesn't have to win pretty. Ohio State just has to win, okay? So they can win every game 20 to 12, and they're making a trip to the college football playoff, period. End of story. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, they, that's good enough to win a Big Ten title. That's But look – I agree with your with your sentiment that they need to be more explosive on offense. You're also facing NFL players in that secondary that they don't allow explosive plays to happen. Um, like so, like let's let's let's. I, I feel like we need to temper that sort of uh, criticism down a little bit, just because of the nature of the team that they're playing. Now, do they need to be more explosive explosive in in games that they should absolutely win by multiple touchdowns? Yeah, I think I think so. But they were that two weeks ago against Purdue, you know, so they have some things that they need to improve on. I, th- I kind of tend to agree with you that Kyle McCord is, is probably going to be the guy who keeps them from winning a national championship Yeah, because they have the pieces on defense. That defense yeah. is, is very good, but I'm going to take that one step further. The rushing attack is not good enough, right. period. Agreed. And you are averaging, uh, yes, you're going up against a very good Penn State defense. You're averaging 1.9 yards per carry. Your leading rusher, Mayan Williams, had a pretty good day, 62 yards, had the touchdown. He averaged by himself 2.6 yards per carry. That's not good enough to get it done. They did what they needed to do, but at the end of the day, when you get up into the into the red zone, if you're on the one-yard line and you have three opportunities to score the ball, or you're at least inside of the 10, you're, you need to score touchdowns. You need to score touchdowns because you're at home. You have the advantage there. And and you're not going to have that advantage when you have to go on the road to go play Michigan this year. And and if you cannot control the game and the tempo on the ground, then you're going to lose a lot of football games. And and I felt like Penn State controlled the tempo in this game for the most part. They just weren't able to put drives and finish drives. And Ohio State, similarly, just wasn't able to finish drives, and it just didn't burn them. It hasn't burned them yet. They've gotten what they needed to in the biggest moments. And look, at the end of the day, that's what the best teams do. I just I struggle to believe that they can consistently string together enough of these types of plays that they can beat a Michigan. And I have some serious concerns with them there. But Penn State, it, it, all is not lost there. This is still a team that I, I, I you there is a realistic path 
for them to make it to the Big Ten title game. Win the rest of your football games, beat Michigan. November 4th is huge. You have to beat Michigan. And if you're able to get that done, everything's still in front of you. So the season's not lost for James Franklin. It's just they don't have the next gear, and I haven't seen it yet. And I need to see a little bit more from James Franklin in general. I don't, I don't think he coached a bad football game. I don't blame him for this football game. But at the end of the day, it's th- this is a trend, and this is an ugly one. And if you're James Franklin or if you're a Penn State fan or, or, or a booster or whatever, at what point do you start asking that question? Is this the team or is this the coach for this team who's going to get them over the top? Because he can recruit talented players. He can bring in and c- keep them in football games, but then he can't win this game. And it's, I don't lay this at his feet, but at some point, the question needs to be asked. And it's been, I don't even know, what, four, 13 years? And he still hasn't really been able to get this team up over the hump. And, and the, the next big thing for him to do is taking his team from a good team to a great team. He's got to start winning these football games. And you don't always win pretty. In Ohio State, they, they've shown that they can win ugly. Yeah, and like you mentioned, he's still got that opportunity against Michigan, so uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give him that leash, certainly. But uh, look, I don't think this was a game that that the coach lost for for Penn State. I tend to agree with you. They, they Look, the third down conversion alone, they were like you know, one of 18 or whatever the number ended up being. At some point deep into the fourth quarter, it was zero conversions or maybe one conversion on third down. That wasn't going to get it done. What You weren't sustaining drives, and the Ohio State defense, as you mentioned, did enough. Uh, to me, it's just uh, for Ohio State, you you can win uh, this game playing this way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can win the Michigan game playing this way. And, and you just got to get more from the offense. And look, maybe you will. Uh, you had a starting running back out. You had a starting wide receiver out. Maybe when you are healthy, if you are healthy, it is the college football season. Uh, teams are rarely bringing no everyone into that game. Yeah. So um maybe they look better but man it just a further disappointment for Kyle McCord and and I talked about it leading into this game and it did shine through I, I actually thought they had in position to really impress score wise and because they settled for field goals or or uh, weren't able to get it done in the red zone it, it just the score just wasn't quite there but <laughs> they were in control of the game uh, from from that fumble that was overturned onward they were in control of the game well, Abe Smoke was coming up over the Bryant over Bryant Denny Stadium on Saturday, uh, and that's because Alabama topped the Tennessee Volunteers thirty-four to twenty, and they did it after trailing twenty to seven at the half, which I thought was very interesting. I came yeah. back from covering the Georgia Tech game on Saturday, and mm-hmm. I see twenty to seven, and I said, "Oh boy, oh boy, what you have come to foretell, what you've been foretelling for has come to fruition." Jalen Milrow has been figured out. They can't hit the deep ball. They get they aren't running the ball effectively against a pretty good volunteer defense. Well, and then 27 points later, Alabama outscores them 27 to nothing and, and runs away with this game. And I, I mean, Alabama, I, I don't really see who's slowing them down at this point. I mean, maybe we can get to the to LSU, but they just feel like a shoe-in to, to be a SEC championship game attendee at the very least. And Tennessee, you've got some questions, man. You've got some serious questions. The the rushing attack wasn't good enough. The the quarterback play wasn't good enough. The defense fell apart late in this game. Uh, It was just a weird sort of game. And and look, you just need points, man. Abe, what say you? Yeah, a a lot of things uh, were very interesting. Squirrel White was red hot early on. He was completely (laughs) shut down for the last three quarters of this game. I, I know he ended with uh, 111 uh, receiving yards. I think he had like 90 mm-hmm. in the first quarter. I, I mean, he was and that you building into that lead that you were talking about, that 20 to seven lead. Uh, yeah. But it, the things that, that we focused on each team doing well or not doing well, completely flipped in this game. Tennessee had to run the ball in this game. Guess what they yeah. did not do? Not well, not well enough. Uh, Joe Milton and, led them in rushing today, on Saturday. Yeah, it it took him 15 carries to get 59 yards. Uh, Jace McClellan on the flip side, Alabama had not been overly dominant in the run game, Uh, but 115 yards for him uh, and a touchdown for Jace McClellan is not that it was a breakout game. He's been their lead back and he's been a tough, a tough tackle. He runs hard. Yeah, he does. Um, But yeah, it, it goes down to the same thing I've always said. 
I just I, I refuse to understand how teams are letting Milrow throw 15 plus yard passes. If he's going to beat me with the seven yard check down, I'll take that every time. But uh, obviously, he had the one the deep ball over the top that went for a touchdown. He had a couple others that uh, throughout the game that didn't go for touchdowns, but were, were big chunk plays. It just still feels like their offense is super limited to the point where even if the run game is going well. I just feel like a better secondary, better than Tennessee's. I don't know someone like Georgia is going to be able to deal with with what Milrow is giving him. Now, I do think we saw Milrow take another step forward in composure and another step forward in leadership. And now I do start to wonder if you can work other aspects of that pass game back in between now and when they would hypothetically face Georgia in the SEC title game. I just, I think he is growing. I think it was a big panic move earlier in the season um, to bench him and, and bring in Buckner and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, obviously, they've gotten that back under the shoulder, rebuilding his confidence. And I think he is actually improving, which is why we don't judge teams on what they look like in week three or what they look like in week four, especially not in college. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I'm still kind of flipping around. I I don't know. Look, I agree with you. Alabama should run through everyone that's left on their schedule with the exception of that LSU game, because against LSU 34 <laughs> points here against Tennessee, LSU's defense is not good, but you're, you're going to probably need more than that. Um, mm-hmm. to beat LSU just the way their offense has been rolling. And, so they're going to need to get that, and and we'll see. But it, it it has been a number now of relatively clean games. I know he did have one interception, but it wasn't very costly. Um, yeah. It's just I, – I don't know, man. I don't know how it keeps working, but Saban keeps finding a way to run what I feel is a very limited offense and drops a 34-point bomb on you. I mean, it's very impressive to see the way this team has grown – from the incredibly shaky ground coming off that Texas loss into that old Miss game and now where they are now. It's been a very impressive, like, three-week turnaround for the Tide. Yeah, I mean, you look at the receivers, they have, the, the the leaders are, let's see, it's 15. They went to longs of 15, 17, 34, 22, 46. You can't stop the deep ball, then Alabama is going to be giving you problems for most of the day. It's just, yeah. it's one of the, it's just the nature of the beast here with, with the Crimson Tide right now. And when Milrose clicking, things are good. But on the flip side, Tennessee, I, I have some serious, there's, they have some problems, man. I know you mentioned Squirrel White. He had a big day. Uh, people have been expecting him to, to really break out in a big way. And I think Here, you got to be able to ride out a 20 to seven lead, man. You like, got, but that's like the you thing. You have to find a way to ride that out. But that's my biggest thing is, is when you have, a Jabari small, when you have a Jalen, Wright, Those are guys you need to be giving the football. Those are guys that you need to rely upon in the second half. There is just, it's inexcusable that you can, you take a, a, you're, you're leading 20 to, what was it? 20 to seven at halftime. And then you come out and immediately give up 17 points in the third quarter. And then it just felt like hypo panicked a little bit. And Joe Milton just, then they started throwing the, trying to throw the ball down the field and it just wasn't working. And there was just, they don't have that extra gear. And for somebody that is that talented, Joe Milton can throw the ball. I told, I talked to Tennessee folks. I talked to a lot of Tennessee folks. I was just discussing all of this on Saturday and he's the guy who can throw the ball through a barn door, but he can't hit the barn door to begin with. Like that's just, what he is at this point in his, his career. He's 23 years old. Yeah, he, people like to talk about how he has potential NFL like, size and strength and everything. And he might get drafted just because he has that arm strength, but the dude has had accuracy issues. He's 28 of 41, but he's averaging 6.6 yards per throw on this or per, 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 per completion. That's not acceptable. Like you, you have to do better than that especially on a day where your two lead running backs account for 46 yards. This it's just the, the offense doesn't make sense with Joe Milton as quarterback right now. And I think, I don't know if it happens this week. Well, that's where I, I, was, I don't know I if was, it happens later. You got to head that way. You got to start moving in the direct, the, the future direction of Nico. You, you, it just has to happen. And, and the fact that 271, two touchdowns, 
like it's it, it's a good game. But the Here's thing is, the thing. he just doesn't add that ever extra layer that you lost with Hendon Hooker last year. He had that layer that you saw in the Orange Bowl. You saw it again in the in the, the game against Vanderbilt last year. They, he just doesn't have that extra gear, and, and that takes away a vital layer for the Josh Heifel offense. You've got a road game at Kentucky this coming week. I, I, I know your gut would probably say not to make the change heading into a road environment at night in the SEC. Um, and you do have UConn after that uh, at home. So so mm-hmm. if you want, but, uh, you know, you've got Missouri on the road and Georgia at, at home throughout the month of November. I would give, if you're if Nico is in your plans at all this season, I would make that move now to give him as much time as possible to get prepared. And even if it costs you the win at Kentucky, to get prepared for that stretch against Missouri and Georgia. Because if you head into that stretch with all he's done is beat UConn, I don't know how good you feel about that. So if the plan at any point in the season is Nico, it should be the plan now. It it, it just sort of feels that way. Um, I, I'd be – like if you want to talk about a panic move, I feel like ultimately if you, you put in that guy, uh, you put in the future of the program, it feels panicky. Because Joe Milton – I don't think he gives them a, the best chance to win, but he didn't do anything necessarily in this game that warranted getting pulled. I think it's just the way that he just he just doesn't hit. But if you're the, waiting the for if you're waiting to be eliminated from the SEC race, you're not going to get Nico anytime at all. No, but I that, think that they the problem. they likely already have been eliminated from the SEC the, the race. Of the SEC. well, they got Missouri heads up, they got Georgia heads up, so they haven't been. But I I, I mean. Come on. No, they've been they to win those games. I mean, come like, on. They they would need to win out because they're at, yeah. on the road to Kentucky, which is not going to be an easy game for Kentucky no. for Tennessee. You have UConn, who cares? Um, then you're on the road at Missouri. Home you, against I, Georgia. Yeah. That's going to be tough. And then you have the number one team in the country coming to to Neyland Stadium in Georgia. And then you have Vanderbilt, which is a winnable, which you're, you're going to win that game. But you, there's a realistic possibility that they lose three, three more games this year. Very yeah. realistic. And you lose one more and they are completely eliminated. They're not mathematically eliminated yet. Georgia's not losing two games to the SEC. Yeah, if they're they not losing Kentucky, two games in SEC. It's play. over. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it would be official. Well, what I'm saying is, is yeah. now that you've lost your second game, it's, it's very probable that they're eliminated completely. They probably are now, but you can't rule probably. it out just because I, I just don't expect that Georgia's going to lose two games in the SEC. Uh, just period. I mean, they they've right. lo- they haven't lost an SEC regular season game to an Eastern po- opponent since 2020. So it's been a minute. So they, you would need them to do that twice. Yeah. And I just don't expect that to happen. But uh, it's going to be an interesting road for them down the line. They have the big game next week, which I think is going to be a very important one for them. Uh, but I do want to move into a, another game that I thought was just a fascinating football game and one that I don't think is necessarily a fair representation based off of the score that you see right there. 38 to 20 FSU takes down the Duke blue devils. Duke was every bit in this game throughout the entire contest. Riley Leonard did not have a good day. Seven of 16, 69 yards, 4.3 yards per attempt. He had an interception. Um, He was equally irrelevant on the ground. He only had 13 yards. I don't know if he was fully healthy. I don't know if Duke had a chance to win this fully healthy. Hmm. I mean, you you get the backup quarterback in there. He goes one of six for seven yards. The backup quarterback clearly is just not somebody who needs to be playing, taking snaps if, if you can avoid it. Um, a healthy Riley Leonard changes this football game, and I think largely it's, it's a completely different game. Um, but the offense just wasn't enough. The defense was out on the football field for, for way too long, and eventually Florida State was able to get him up over the top, and it was just one of those games where you you grind somebody down and even the best defenses eventually falter at the end of the day when they're out on the field and asked to do to just carry the entire team you need some complimentary football and the duke offense just wasn't giving it to him and and I, I think a healthy riley leonard would have completely changed this football game but the game was a lot closer up until the 21 points in the fourth quarter so uh, give duke their flowers but 
it just wasn't meant to be today. Yeah, Saturday. you and you and I were very strongly on different sides uh, of this game heading into it, and I think it ended up that we were both probably right. Now, I took it mm-hmm. from the approach that Riley Leonard was not going to play. He did play, but he certainly was not himself. You took it from the approach that the Duke defense would keep them in this game. They certainly did. I think the combination of, as you mentioned, that defense just being out there too long, mostly because of what I expected, the quarterback not able to extend drives for Duke. The combination of that kind of led to what we saw, as you mentioned, a 21-0 fourth quarter, um, uh, you know, stretch out. But this was a very competitive game. You are right. This is a very good Duke team that I wish had been fully healthy. I'm not saying they win this game, but it's a very different game. They were certainly right in it uh, 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 up through that moment. And, And for Florida State, though, um, it, it, it's a box checked. It, again, it's not yeah. the most impressive win. I, the <laughs> score looks good. I totally understand that. Um, but it was a very tight game. And what it really is, is just one of the teams that could knock you off out of the way. And, and, and they're one step further now to getting through an undefeated regular season, getting to an ACC championship, and, and now probably not having a team that uh, has everything to play for uh, opposing them, which we'll get to what happened a little bit later, but uh, I look, they weren't good enough on the ground either. And that that's been uh, a running tail for them. Unfortunately, their quarterback, Jordan Travis was the leading rusher by a good margin. Uh, he had 62 yards and a touchdown. Rodney Hill had 30. I mean, Trey Benson had 26 uh, LT had 23. I mean, it's just not enough. For, Jordan for Travis team. shouldn't be leading you in carries. All right, saying, yeah, who shouldn't be? Jordan Travis. No, uh, no, he should not. And, and we sit there and we see this team is ranked number four in both polls, and it just doesn't feel like it's enough. And that doesn't mean they can't go head to head with any of the big dogs, but it just doesn't feel like they're at quite that top end that they need to be. Now they got the wins that they had, right? <laughs> You can't take that away from them, nor are we trying to. But I wanted to see them do it uh, on Saturday against Duke. And, and I, again, the score, yes. But that was a very competitive game against a quarterback that was extremely limited in Riley Leonard. Um, that being said, you still put up 38 points against one of the top five defenses yeah. uh, in, in the entire country coming into this game. Whether it's because they were on the field too long, whether it's because the offense couldn't extend drive, whatever excuse you want to use, I'm not saying you, but just people, um, that's 38 points against a very good defense. And 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 I can play with that. I can mess with that. Yeah, and I think Duke proved something to me um, and everybody else. They like Look, I understand that, that you, you let it kind of go crazy in the fourth quarter. You let this game 20 to 17, or excuse, yeah, 20 to 17 in entering the fourth quarter. You had a chance to take a six-point lead in the third quarter. And I know that Elko opted to go for it on fourth and three when he could have taken the six point lead and extended to 23 to, to 17. But I, this is a game that you needed touchdowns. And the fact that you lose your starting quarterback with seven minutes to go in the third quarter matters a great deal. And it sucks. And it just sucks because I think this, this Duke team was pretty good, you know, and I, they, but they showed that they belong. Um, at least with Mike Elko as the head coach. And I, I don't know if he stays at Duke. Uh, I know that John Fricky and I are likely going to have this discussion on Saturday. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if, if John brings that up, but there it would, he's going to be one of the hottest, if not the hottest coaching candidate. Like, could you imagine him going out back out to, to Texas A&M? I think that would make, that would take them up over the top potentially. Like you have a, a, co- a coach like this. He's going to be a hot commodity. Um, I don't know if Duke is going to be able to hold on to him. Um, but then again, they said the same thing about the last guy and he was there for a long time, you know? So th- this is, uh, I-, I think Duke did a-, did a lot of good things in this game, but a healthy quarterback is just ultimately what's going to keep you from a not healthy quarterback. I should say is, is ultimately what kept them off of the, off of the win or, or kept them out of, out of this game and that scoreline kind of getting out of control. But Florida state, I have some serious questions, question marks. You, you harped on a couple of them that, that I completely agree with. I still just can't shake that nagging feeling that Florida State is just something is missing for me. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it well, is. Because I, will I, I like Jordan though. Travis. They have, they have good players on defense. They got a, a generally a pretty good rushing attack. They got killers on the outside. 
I just feel like they don't have that killer mentality yet. I'm not saying they're getting 12 and 0. I think you and I share a lot of the same concerns. They got back-to-back road games. Uh, and you know, they also got to travel to Florida at the end of the year. They are better than every team that's left on their schedule though. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Whether Wake Forest and Pitt, get them out of here. Look, Miami, real nice win this weekend, but they're better than Miami. And, and respectfully, me being a Florida fan, they are better than the Florida Gators, but that is a road game. That one could be a tough one as well, but it, it's all right there for Florida state. There's no doubt about it. Um, they should be 12 and 0. They not saying be. they will be for the same reasons that Louisville lost to a, a team that was much worse than them. And UNC lost to a team that was much worse than them. And, and maybe that's just the fate of the ACC this year is mm-hmm. uh, this is their last hope. Florida state is the last hope of the ACC and we don't feel good about it. Uh, and, and that's, unfortunately we're going to have to wait and see the season play itself out. But uh, I think you and I are kind of in the same boat. I wouldn't be surprised if, if at some point they do get got. Yeah, and, and I and I got a lot of issues with him just in general. But look, at the end of the day, if you win football games, you're going to do it just enough to to stay at least in the conversation. And and as of right now, they are uh, squarely in that conversation. But somebody who has since faltered from the conversation is USC. They fall to Utah. Caleb Williams is now 0-3 against the Utes. Uh, just painful game. And, it, and I, I don't think anybody in this show is going to say, that he should sit out similar to uh, I think it was a show <laughs> who someone has said that on Twitter. I saw some people saying, make the business decision. Well, hopefully he doesn't do something quite so terrible as that. Um, because USC, actually, if you believe it, they're right, they're still very much alive for the Pac-12 title race. They could still go play in a Rose Bowl. Um, I, I do I think that they will? No, I don't think so. Because I think you have some pretty glaring issues uh, on defense and it's just continuously resurfaces and you hold Utah to 34 points, which based off of some of their previous performances doesn't sound quite so bad until you realize that Utah is averaging under 20 points per game. Abe, this is an offense that is truly anemic. It is truly terrible. You allowed them to score 34 points at home. USC's offense, just whatever. Caleb Williams, he scores the 11-yard touchdown with 146 left in this game. And it felt like he was like, all right, maybe he saved his, maybe he saved the season. The defense just can't get anything done. And I have some serious questions about USC in general. But uh, look, at the end of the day, Utah does exactly what they need to do to win this game. Just, just enough. Just be just enough and they did that yeah and i'm not trying to criticize caleb williams or lincoln riley too much here but this was always a team that was going to need to score to Mm -hmm. win games and and truthfully 32 is not enough and and they scored 20 a week ago in that loss to notre dame before that they had scored 42 or more in every single game all wins um and and 32 is disappointing for what was supposed to be one of the best offenses in, in college football. And I don't think this is a, a put down of, of Caleb Williams. He's outstanding, but yeah, this team was always going to have to outscore its opponents and 32 simply was never going to get it done. Um, now I thought this game would play out different. If you told me Utah did win, I thought, Hey, we might be looking at USC in the twenties again. Uh, so props to Utah uh, for getting to where they are. And that obviously sets up a massive, massive game another massive game in the Pac-12 this coming week because Utah's off and rolling. And look, for a team that was at the start of the season, it's like, okay, when are we getting Cam Rising back? Once we get him back, we're going to take off. I think they've known now that they're not getting Cam Rising back. It's my opinion. I have no medical knowledge. Well, Whittingham, Whittingham just announced that he's done for the season. Did he? Yeah, I, I, I didn't see that. But I, I've said now for about two weeks yeah. – where he went through like the pregame warmups and there was nowhere close to playing. I'm like, I I don't know what's going on there, but I didn't think like he's good. So I'm not surprised that that's the announcement. Um, and it, it finally feels like they've kind of settled into understanding what their offense needs to be, not waiting for him to get back. And you do wonder if just shutting him down for the season maybe is the boost that these quarterbacks need um, in confidence, in play calling, <laughs> 
whatever, because I did not see a 34 point spot out of Utah. And that leads us obviously to the big game next week. We'll see if they can replicate that sort of performance because you and I both feel they have a pretty good defense and whether USC scored 20 a week ago or 60 a week ago, holding them under 35 is still pretty impressive. Uh, You know, that's the returning Heisman trophy winner over there and they've got some studs. Uh, And so this was a very good win on the road, mind you, for Utah and uh, now they're at home this week. It's a fun team to watch a little bit different than some of the teams we've seen. This one's not really flying under the radar this year. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. And and big shout out to uh, what does he do? Is he a duck farmer or something like that? The quarterback, Bryson Barnes, uh, Kyle Whittingham had a really awesome comment about it. Is he a pig farmer? Is that what he said? Pig farmer or something. I don't know why I said duck. Farmer, my, my well, they're playing my, the my ducks. brain is on the Oregon ducks. I guess, the but. ducks. That's all. <laughs> so maybe he'll be a duck farmer next week, but yeah. we'll see. Um, how about he his performance, man? 14 of 23, 235 yards, three touchdowns, just the interception. Plus, he added 57 rushing yards and a touchdown. Just an incredible performance from the quarterback. And then my my uh one week wonder from last week had another wonderful week. Sion Vaki. Five catches, 149 yards, two touchdowns, plus an extra 68 yards rushing. Could we be seeing a another appearance in the one-week wonders? I don't really know yet, but those swing passes just seem to be working some serious magic for, for this young man. I mean, he's they just swing it out of the backfield, and it, USC had no answer. They just had absolutely no answer, just like Cal didn't have an answer last week. Uh, maybe they figured something out on offense, but... Uh, that defense is still really the biggest thing. But look, USC, same issues, same year, or no, different year, same problem. And until Lincoln Riley figures out how to field a pretty good defense, or at least one with a pulse, we're going to be consistently talking about USC faltering on the biggest stage. And, and we've history. seen these these types of schools doesn't have to be USC. I don't want to, you know, pester on Oklahoma too much, but we've seen these offenses that can – do everything and, yeah. and have one game and their defense can't keep, and that's how it goes. And it, you know, the big thing here is that's it for Caleb Williams and the Heisman, in my opinion. Oh, it's I, done. I, yeah, I think that's done. So we'll be looking at a new Heisman trophy winner, someone else coming into the Heisman house at the end of this year. Um, that's exciting to me. I, I mean, it it, 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 it's kind of a bummer that I've never seen a repeat champion. I think it'd be, we like uh, never will. cool to do. I, I understand that, but um, the idea that it's now it's now on the table, there's no runaways, and it's not going to be that guy, Caleb, again. Um, it's very interesting. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought Caleb and Lincoln Riley would run into some trouble here. They did. And uh, they, they've just got to be scoring. They're, they're like LSU of the West. And what I mean by that is yeah, it, it, maybe not quite as bad defensively. They've just got to be scoring 45 a game to win in conference. And they're just not doing that right now. Yeah, they're the literal antithesis of Iowa. Yeah. You know, a team a team that holds somebody to 12 points and can't win. There which you is go. just honestly an insane thing. But, look, USC is going to the Big Ten because of money next year, but uh, it's a pretty big bonus that now they don't have to play Utah anymore. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with those two. And it's kind of a shame that we can't watch USC and Utah and those other games, but the Pac-12 is going away. But – Abe, I want to get into a lightning round really quickly because one of the craziest things that we saw from last weekend, just the big teams, in the big dogs in dog fights. And I want to start with UNC because that's the big dog that fell. And I, I'm, at, I'm at a near loss for words from what I saw in this game. North Carolina is so much better than virginia what are you doing in this game this is an old old rivalry this is actually one of the older rivalries in in the south they've been playing just about every year since what the 1890s or something like that um so it's one of those rivalries that sort of feels kind of not talked about because well generally these two teams aren't very good um but virginia's lost 11 of its last 12 games against fbs opponents this is not a good Virginia football team. We were talking about this UNC team as one that could go and compete for a national title this year. And then you perform this, this way. I mean, it looked like you had figured something out. Um, you you kind of play a sluggish first half. 
And then they jump back out to a big lead in the second half. And it looks like, all right, all right. So they're back and like, let's move on. And here comes Virginia. And they just come clawing back into this game. Just a frustrating game here, UNC. Yeah, very odd statistically. You look at it, at least from the offensive side of the ball, you'll take that game from Drake May. I know he threw an interception, but 347 yards, two touchdowns. You'll take this game from Amarion Hampton. 19 carries, 112 yards, uh, and Tez Walker did his thing. It's just a complete and utter letdown of a unit on defense I thought was was good enough to win this sort of game, only scoring 27, 28 points. And that's really what it boiled down to. Way, way, way too easy to run the ball against North Carolina uh, on Saturday night. And it, it's incredibly shot. I, I mean – I don't want to like drum up the dramatics, but like of all the like upsets I thought can happen. I mean, you called the Louisville game and, and so look, that wasn't like amazingly shocking. You predicted it. Well done mm-hmm. to you. This is one that really came out of nowhere. Like it had, had Florida state lost to Duke. I think it would have been an upset. You're at home. You're the number four team. Yeah. Sure. 15 point favorite. Right. Uh, but th- this is so out of nowhere because Virginia was so out of this discussion. And you're talking about a top 10 team that should be, um, you know, trending towards a matchup for a potential berth in the college football playoffs. And, and it's gone. I, I, I mean, look, they could still win the ACC, but the idea of them in the playoffs, I, it's done. You, you can't lose a game to Virginia at home and make the playoffs. And so, uh, very surprising, um, but a- as we come and go, as these weeks go, little by little, the picture gets clear. One more team no longer in that discussion for the uh, uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, and you mentioned it, um, and I just want to say it again. Way too easy to run the football on North Carolina. What did they get, 250 yards or something 200, like that? 231 um, sack-adjusted yards. Yeah, it's not that's good. inexcusable. That's not good. And it's not even like one guy went crazy. It's like, nor was it one guy that had like a ninety-four it. yard run no. or one guy. It was not big runs. No, like I'm just gonna read through this really quickly. You have Parrish Jones, who has 14 carries for 67 yards. His long was nine yards. You have Mike Hollins has 15 carries for 66 yards, has three touchdowns, and a, and his long was 11 yards. Yeah. Tony Musket, the quarterback, 12 carries, 66 yards. Long was 20. You have Kobe Pace, 11 carries, 30 yards. Long was six. They're just chunking their way up the field. They What? They're what not are even you getting doing? first downs on half. You've got guys, they're averaging four and a half, five yards a carry. What are we doing here? Yeah. That's in, That's inexcusable. Inexcusable for North Carolina. You have an offense that's doing pretty well. Look, they didn't finish drives the way that they needed to. They didn't. And the offense didn't get it done. You know, I know you said it was just enough from Drake May. I disagree because you need to be bigger in these moments. You're playing a pretty bad, bad Virginia team. It isn't this isn't just a team that's not very good and like, oh, they'll make a bowl game. This team isn't going to a bowl game. They have one win coming into this football game. They were one in five. Like I said, they had lost to 11 of their last 12 FBS opponents. This is an inexcusably bad performance from North Carolina. And one of the number one reasons why a lot of people didn't believe in them halfway through the season, even after what they had done over, over the course of the year. And look, I'm not trying to sit here and pile on to these guys at, at that right, right now, but and I know that's absolutely no, it's, how it's coming no, off. It's, it's just embarrassing. Yeah, it's it's inexcusable. It's, a, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. There are there are a ton of group of five teams that are significantly better than Virginia. And I don't know. I think it's, it's coaching. It's, it's effort. It's everything. And it's not a team that's going to, that, that should even be in this, the realm of discussion when we talk about a college football playoff, because this isn't a team that beats Florida state. This isn't a team that, that beats Georgia tech next week. If they come out and play like this, Georgia tech's going to run all over them. That's a team that just lost to Boston college. I mean, look, I just, I'm, I've fallen off the North Carolina bandwagon. That's just, it's inexcusably bad. And you have way too many weapons on offense. 
that offense is way too good to be that bad. So we'll see what happens with them down the stretch. They can, they can still write the ship. They can still figure some stuff out. I understand that it's just one week. They can still go play in an ACC title game and likely go get into an orange bowl. And I think that that'd be a pretty damn good season. If you're North Carolina, it's just that for once in their lives, we finally hit something that was going to be just a step above and they don't get to it. But I do want to move on to the other teams who, who actually did survive and advance. And I'm going to start with the Texas Longhorns. Quinn Ewers likely goes down with an injury in this game. I don't know. I haven't seen any updates. Abe, have you seen anything yet? I have not seen anything yet. So I've I read somewhere that it could be a pretty serious injury. But Texas escapes Houston, a place that uh, has a lot of history, these two teams. But they, they get the win 31 to 24 against the, the newcomers to the Big 12. The eighth ranked Longhorns. Well, they're up 20. They, they go up 14 points quick. Then all of a sudden, uh, Houston just sort of hangs around and they're just sort of right there in the vicinity. Quinn Ewers then gets hurt. Donovan Smith puts together a pretty damn good game 378 yards, three touchdowns from the, the Houston quarterback. They didn't run the ball at all. That's the craziest thing, Houston. Like, generally, when you see a game like this, that just means that they were able to run the ball really effectively. Nope, they're just throwing it all around the yard. Texas really didn't do anything against us to slow them down. But they did just enough to get the win. They survive in advance. They don't have to win ugly, or excuse me, win pretty at this point. Or they're actually, but let, let me take that back. I would say that they're a team that needs to win pretty more than a lot of the other teams that we've discussed so far today. Uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, those teams don't have to win pretty. Alabama, Georgia, they, all, all these other teams, they don't have to win pretty. I think Texas, on the other hand, does have one loss on that record already. already. And then they have, to, they have to hope that they and Oklahoma stay undefeated. Because if Oklahoma doesn't, then we have a lot of issues down the road with the college football playoff. But look, survive in advance, that's the name of the game, and that's what they did. Well, you got two things at play here. And the first one is the injury to Quinn Ewers, and, and we'll see what the, the timeline is for that. Very surprised that Arch Manning does not enter this game. Uh, I, I don't know what the mindset behind that is. I, 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 I've been led. I mean. uh, I, maybe he is going to redshirt. I was led to believe that, that he was the backup quarterback. Maybe they'll have to remove that redshirt based on uh, potential length of, of the situation there with Ewers. Uh, it remains to be seen, but uh i kind of was not that i'm rooting for a guy to get hurt but if a guy's gonna get hurt i want arch manning to be the backup and i want him to come into the game and i want to see what's going on but unfortunately uh sark didn't let me uh do that so uh we'll we'll see what the story is there the other story about this was the officiating lateness real quick real quick real quick real real quick sorry i i as of nine as of right now Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers expected to miss. This is like 10 minutes ago. That just came out. Uh, according to ESPN, ESPN's Pete Thamel, um, grade two AC joint sprain in his right shoulder. So in his throwing shoulder. Uh, on Sunday, he had an MRI that revealed the sprain. Uh, it is not expected to be season ending. And a more finite timetable should emerge this week. Yeah, I still don't know exactly what that means for their timeline. Or, or, I mean, they've got some tough games coming up. Um, you know, BYU, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech. I, look, they should be able to run that table with who they've got. I know Kansas State is trending up right now it's, it's uh, a, a little bit. Um, you know, five and two, three and one in conference. That's going to be a tough one for them, and uh, they at least get that one at home. I, yeah, I don't know what's going to go on with the quarterback position. Um, I actually thought Houston got jobbed in this game, Garrett. If we're going to be honest, they, there was a play late in this game. Would have given them a first down. Um, they ruled it short. They did not review it. Um, I thought it was good for a first down. The broadcaster called it as a first down. Not that that's official, but he saw it as a first down. Um, and, uh, you know, they didn't get uh, – it was incomplete on fourth down. That's when we saw uh, the coach uh, – go down to all fours and bang the ground in a memeable moment. But um, yeah, I, I thought they got jobbed. I thought Texas uh, deserved to uh, have the opportunity to tie this game up and and it was uh, a strip from them, unfortunately. So 
Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, though, Texas moving forward, what the plan is at quarterback. I really thought it was going to be Arch Manning. Maybe you're right. May, maybe the red shirt is in play. Maybe that changes if if he's going to miss multiple weeks. But uh, I was a little bummed. I mean, you're bummed out Quinn Ewers gets hurt. And then I get, like, doubly bummed out that I don't get to see Arch Manning. So hmm. uh, that's what happened Saturday night. Yeah, I mean – you go up twenty-one to nothing in this game, and and you should win comfortably. This is not. Yeah, a I turned game it off. That, I stopped paying attention. I thought it was over. And when I I saw they got 21-21, I started watching it again, <laughs> and I saw the big run from uh, Texas, and and it was yeah, it was it was a good competitive game late, and uh, mm-hmm. I just wish they had ruled or or at least reviewed the spot uh, to try and give um, you know Houston their their final chance. Yeah, and these and then. This game did bring to fruition, uh, not to fruition. It, it showed two of the more glaring weaknesses that Texas has had, and and I think it it had two differing results. The, like you look at the first half of the season, two of the biggest issues that Texas has had: uh, the defense gives up a lot of big plays, and the offense is terrible in the red zone. I, I think they're 120 something in in red zone efficiency. Well, they scored 24 points in the red zone. They have three touchdowns and a field goal. That's pretty good. Like, look, at the end of the day, you'll take that. Um, that was good enough to, to – it was good. They did a good job. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the defense gives up passes of 51 yards, 35 yards, 32 yards, 24 yards, 21 yards, and 21 yards. That's why Houston was able to get back into this football game. And, look, this is not a good Houston team. This is a team you beat. Move on, you know. But this is – that is not a recipe to win a, t- a playoff game. That's not a recipe to make the playoff. It's not a recipe to win the Big 12. You come back and face Dylan Gabriel and the Oklahoma Sooners, they run up the score on you if you do stuff like that. You cannot afford to give up big plays. And explosive plays let teams back into games. And that's what happened in this game. And that's why you can make the argument that Texas should have lost this game. Really good. Um, But they don't, and they survive in advance. Now we turn to see what's next with Quinn Ewers, the quarterback, because they need him to be healthy down the stretch. Uh, but another team, actually, ironically, Oklahoma. Yeah. That's another team that actually struggled to, to do something on Saturday. They escaped UCF in the Dylan Gabriel homecoming of sorts. I know the game was played in Oklahoma, but bear with me. He played his old team in UCF uh, after where he transferred out after getting injured. But they went 31-29. to What did you see from the Sooners, Abe? Well, this is a game that they had a two-point conversion to try and tie this thing up uh, in the final moments of this game. And uh, Oklahoma looked comfortable. I think the difference, and if you go back and look at Oklahoma throughout the season, they have forced turnovers. Mm -hmm. They did not force a single turnover in this game. They did force a fumble, but they did not recover it. uh, John Rice Plumley of UCF threw no interception. The the turnovers were the difference in the game against Texas. They've been a big difference for Oklahoma. I don't know if they're still leading the nation in interceptions. Uh, certainly uh, throughout it, leading up to and after that Texas game, they were leading the nation in interceptions. They just need turnovers. This is what their defense is. It's one of those like weird boomer bust. Not quite to the Texas level, although they gave up some big plays as well. But it's kind of like you can score on them if you just hold the ball, but they're very good at taking the ball away. And that's what we saw uh, uh, in this game, at least from how I viewed it. I thought they played pretty competently on offense. I just think they didn't get the turnovers that allowed them to build that lead time after time. I think that was a big difference in the game. This is a very opportunistic defense that does well to create those turnovers. Didn't happen Saturday and you got a competitive game, and it does concern you a little bit moving forward. If if there's another game where they don't get turnovers, can a team that is maybe a little bit better than UCF uh, jump out and get them? I mean, they're on the road at Kansas. Is that a team that can get them? Um, you know, the rest of the, the schedule should be manageable, um, but you never know. Uh, you just never know. And uh, Oklahoma State in a couple of weeks, another road game. It's going to be a tough game. Yeah, so they got back-to-back road games, Kansas, Oklahoma State. Uh, if they get some turnovers, they'll win those games. If they don't, it, it may look a lot like this one. Yeah, speaking of Oklahoma State, Ollie Gordon. By the way, let's give the young man a shout-out again. He was another one of our one-week wonders. He was. We shared who that Who was one. just an incredible, another incredible performance. 29 carries, 282 yards. Yeah. Four touchdowns. 
this is a like I talked about Gundy like, like talking about how this is a, a dude who was kind of sort of on a hot seat and now all of a sudden they're looking pretty good they're looking pretty good um but I do want to move on to the Washington Huskies a team that did not look very good they had four fumbles in this game Arizona State recovers three they escape Arizona no this is not a typo no I'm not misspeaking fifth Fifteen to seven, Abe. Fifteen to seven. Michael Penix season low, which is insane that this is a season low. By the way, two hundred seventy-five yards. That's a season low. That just shows how incredible of a season he's been having. But he does have yeah. zero touchdowns in this game and two interceptions. Not what we come to expect from Penix. Yeah, and it was a very, very iffy moment because it was a, a red zone interception returned all the way back to the house. Uh, that was the difference for, for Washington. They they were trailing 7-6 to six midway through this fourth quarter before they get a 89-yard uh, pick six. And, and uh, look, I don't know if it was just – and I think maybe we saw this with UNC – and so if you want to chalk up the emotional letdown for the Tar Heels in regards to that game after beating Miami, maybe we saw something similar for Washington coming off of that Oregon game and and, and whatnot. Uh, because, yeah, they, they're going to have to ramp it back up if they're going to want to remain undefeated uh, throughout the rest of the season, especially those last four games. Uh, they do get Stanford. They should be able to beat that They'll be fine. Talk too much about that one. But uh, yeah, it, it was very interesting from Penix, as you mentioned, sub 300, um, you know, and not to make this a Heisman thing for him, but it felt like two steps forward, now a step back for him uh, in those regards. But like you've said, and like I agree with, you don't have to win pretty right now if you're Washington. You could just keep checking those boxes off week by week. At the end of the season, you're going to be where you need to be uh, if there's there's still a zero in that loss column. So there's a couple of iffy ones here. And, you know, they didn't look great three weeks ago. A lot of people said they were holding some things back for Oregon. Obviously, they look good against Oregon. That was an outstanding game, one of the best of the season. Um, And then they come off of it and and are flat. And it's just just a matter of pick it back up. And all will be forgotten, but you do have to pick it back up. You, you're not going to slide through the season unscathed if uh, 15 points, seven of them coming on defense is all you can muster. Yeah, and this is a, a very, just a strange football game. I, it's just, all of it felt like, like there was another, there was a shoe that was about to drop. And it just never seemed to happen, you know, and... It was very strange, but I will also say the Sun Devils have beaten the Huskies 13 out of 15 times. Did you know that? I did not. I can't say that I did. Sports Jeopardy there for you. That's just what I'm reading. I think that's what I was sitting here like when you when you just turned it over to. I think I was I'm sitting here like, is that right? But yeah, no, 13 out of the last 15 times. Arizona State beat Washington. So I was a so little. What do you want me to do? Crazy. Crown Washington with a great win here? No, I mean, I'm not going to do that. No, no not at all. <laughs> I'm just thinking that's just a, such a strange thing, especially because we talked about how bad Virginia was coming into this game. That's just how bad Arizona State was. They're what they, they came into this game one and five and zero oh and three in the conference. I don't know what Washington was doing because this is just not a good Arizona State team. I'm totally just chalking it up to sleepwalking and an I emotional guess it is. letdown, and they've got to get back to it next week. And but, look, you you got to win while you had your worst game of the season. I, I guess congrats on that. But they they'll have to pick it back. I, I I don't have an answer for you, so I'm just going to their minds weren't in it after devoting so much to that Oregon game a week ago. That's the best over. I got for you. Just the hangover game, yeah. and they're lucky that they're playing Arizona State and not one of the many ranked opponents that they have coming up on this slate. It is a very difficult slate. I will say, though, you're not beating any of these teams if you muster 13 yards rushing. No, though. 13 yards rushing. They can beat Stanford doing that. They're not going to beat the others. I don't know if you can beat Stanford that. Eh, You can beat Stanford. Stanford's worse than Arizona. Arizona State, excuse me. Or they might be. Yeah, they're definitely worse than Arizona. I'll give you that. (laughs) But look, now you're on the road at Stanford. Then you're at USC. Yeah, it ramps up. Utah, 
Oregon State, and then you finish with Washington State in the Apple Cup for the last time, which is a shame. But that's not the point of this discussion right now. But let's see what Washington do down the stretch. This is a really good team. Um, all right, so I want to finish with this here. So that's our that's our lightning round, which never actually ends up being a lightning round. It's just us doing more discussion because we just sort of have a little bit of fun, which is what we do here on the College Football Overtime Podcast. But, hey, we're going to finish right here, and I want to run through this quickly. I want to know your college football playoff top four, and I want to know your last two out. Uh, I'll let you go first on this one. I went first last time. That's fair, and I'm a fair person, so I will continue to be fair. Abe, who's your top four? Yeah, it's getting increasingly more difficult as we have quality wins start to appear on a number of team schedules. But maybe I'm not impressed, or maybe after a win, as we'll get to with Washington, they're not impressive the week after a monumental win, stuff like that. So – uh, for various reasons, including an injured Brock Bowers, I have it as thus. Michigan at one, Washington at two. Ohio State has jumped the entire pack up to three. And I have Florida State four. Uh, it, it's just a matter of the impressive wins on their schedule. They have not looked great, um, but Georgia hasn't looked great either. I have them as one of my two out currently and, and Oklahoma as well. Uh, I just, uh, th- this was not a good weekend for Oklahoma. It was not a good weekend for Washington, um, but but they, they're in that discussion. And that's at this point in the season, all that matters is being in that discussion. So Michigan one, Washington two, Ohio State three, FSU four, and then two outer Georgia and Oklahoma that will change in the upcoming weeks. Yeah. And, and I think this week is particularly as interesting, I guess you could say, because we actually get the committee's poll on Tuesday and that's going to change. I think everybody's opinion on everything. Like it always does. The first one that comes out is always the most interesting because you really see where their actual opinions lie. And and look, Georgia's been number one in the AP poll for 19 weeks in a row. They extended that this past or this past Sunday uh, when the the new AP poll came out. They're number one on the AP poll. I don't think that they're going to be number one in the college football playoff poll. It's just the way that it goes. They haven't they haven't looked impressive outside of the one game that they played against Kentucky, Mm -hmm. a Kentucky team that has since got blown out by Missouri as well, and. I have some serious reservations. I do. I think Georgia's the best team in the country. I think that they will end up being in the college football playoff. But, Abe, I wanted to do my best to predict what the college football playoff committee is going to do with their top six. And I don't have Georgia in there right now. I just don't. I don't don't think that that's fair. I don't think that they've done enough based off of their body of work on the football field. And I know, I know that I've had them in my playoff and everything for the last couple of weeks, but like you mentioned, there are other teams who have some serious quality wins. Like what is, what do I, I Michigan, but the difference is Michigan doesn't really have a quality win. No, but they they've dominated their absurdly dominant. To the yeah. tune of 30 point wins every single week. They have an average margin of victory of 30 points. And Georgia can't say that they can't. <laughs> no. So, no. So Michigan is your number one team in the country. They What they lack in quality wins, they make up for in dominance. Yeah. My number two team, my number two team is going to be, let's just say it is, oh, my God. I See, I go back and forth with all of these. I wrote them down, and I, I disagree with my list, and I don't want to say it out loud. Um, let's just say Ohio State. I think Ohio State's jumped the entire crew. The win against Penn State, the win against Notre Dame, those are two big games, and they show that they can do it with defense. I think that they are going to eventually fall down this list just because I don't think they're a better team than Michigan is, and they're not going to make the college football playoff because they're not going to make the Big Ten title game, and I think that that's Kyle McCord. Let me, ask you a quick, let me ask you a quick aside as you go through this ring. Was the Ohio sure. State win over Penn State a better win in your mind than Washington over Oregon? When you add in the Notre Dame win. I okay, think for a that's body fair. of work. That's fair. Yeah, that's when fair. When you add okay. in an entire body of work, I think I got that, you. that, yes. That's fair. Um, because I have Washington as my number three team. I think the, yeah. the, the win against Oregon is a was a huge win. Um, and I'm I'm just gonna move past what they did last week. I think that it was just like you said, it's a hangover and you move along. 
Um, my number four team going to be Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma has done a lot. They've been pretty good throughout the course of the season. Outside of last week, where I mean, they came out of a they came out a little sluggish coming out of the bye. Uh, the because they play Texas, they go, they go into the bye, and then they just look kind of sluggish, and that that kind of thing happens. But you have the win against Texas, which is a really big win for them. I have number five is is Georgia, and then it's Florida State. Okay. Um, I don't think that they have the they don't have the gall to rank Georgia at behind like at six or below. They're not going to rank them out of the top five. I'd be very surprised, but I'd I don't be also equally surprised. Four, but... I'd be equally surprised if they if they put them in the top four, because I don't know if they've done enough, just in general, to warrant a ranking in the top four. I just don't. And do I think that they are one of the four best teams in the country? Yes, I think that they will end up as one of the teams representing college football in the playoff. I don't that think I don't think that they are that team right now. I think that they have a chance to show us something on Saturday against Florida. Huge matchup. Could be our college football game time game of the week. I don't know if it is yet, just because of the sheer magnitude of the game and you know where we talk, you know, because we we do discuss games in Atlanta, Georgia, a place where it's very relevant. But we'll see what happens with the dogs as they move down the stretch because they could, could they control their destiny. They're undefeated. Yeah, and if they if they finish totally. the, re- the the season undefeated, no one's keeping them out of the playoff. So they're just not there right now for me. Which is funny because I literally when I wrote it down for the first time, I had them at number one. Because I think they're the best team in the country. They just haven't shown it. I think they could be, uh, but I, I tend to agree. They haven't shown it, and and that, to me, uh, it does bother me a little bit. The body of um, work again, matters. Yeah, and 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 being impressive at, at this point matters uh, because they haven't had the opportunity that Washington had and that Ohio State had with a, a legit quality. I know they Kentucky, and they look great, but – Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I guess until maybe Ole Miss, they're you know maybe Tennessee. I mean, who are they going to play that's ranked in the top twenty-five? Eventually Missouri, but uh, and I don't remember the order of those well, games. So that's but, what I was going to get into. You've got yeah. you've got Florida next week. Then you have a top Florida's, twenty opponent. Florida's in ranked. Missouri. If you will like twenty-six. They were the I think they were where they they're were. Fine they were a good team. Close. They were they were theoretically ranked twenty-six. So. And ironically, it's going to be the second highest rated. (laughs) It's going to be the second highest team that Georgia will have played all season, Uh, which says something to just the the quality of the schedule that they've played so far. But now it ramps up because you've got a top 20 opponent in Missouri. You've got a top 15 opponent in Ole Miss. You've got a top 25 opponent in Tennessee. And then you've got a Georgia Tech team in clean old-fashioned hate, which just got to finish off the season with the Yellow Jackets. And look, it ramps up. It gets a lot more difficult. You're not going to be able to sleepwalk through football games if you expect to win. You need to show up and show out, and you have the opportunity to do that. Well, but that's college football. You know, at the end of the day, you are what your record says you are to an extent. But Abe Gordon, another crazy week of college football. We've got another crazy week that we're going to be giving you another podcast this week. So crazy that we are we are coming back. So we'll see you again next or early later this week. Keep on the lookout. Sports Radio 929 the game on Saturday for college football overtime. You're not gonna be with us for that one. I, I had to, to, to think about that for a split second. But uh John Fricky and myself, we're gonna be taking you up on Sports Radio 929 the game from eleven o'clock or uh, from eight o'clock to eleven thirty. Um gonna be another great weekend of college football, and we're gonna be previewing all of that coming up on Thursday morning. So be right here back on the YouTube page, back on the Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We thank you very much. For Abe Gordon, my name is Garrett Chapman. We are College Football Overtime. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again soon.